This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question, is Christianity bad news? We're asking today's big question to Steve McAlpine. Steve works with City Bible Forum and loves engaging the big questions of life, faith and culture. He's a popular blogger, author and speaker and his book, Being the Bad Guys, won a Christian Book of the Year in 2021. And he joins me now, Steve, welcome to Bigger Questions. Great to be with you across uh, here in the, uh, the country called Western Australia. <laughs> <laughs> So, Steve, your book, Being the Bad Guys, won Christian Book of the Year. So, congratulations. Now, just to be honest, when I saw the cover of the book, I misread it as being the bald guys, not the bad guys. Now, you don't think that a book about baldness would be so appealing? Well, my twin brother, also bald like me, uh, said, hey, this is Being the Bald Guys. Uh, (laughs) And I don't think it would be as appealing, but it sounds like a good TV detective series. Being the the bald guys. guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's sort of me and uh, I don't know who else, someone who's uh, not got a lot of hair who's uh, uh, and looks as, you know, sort of macho uh, to compliment my non-macho. So were you surprised when your book was chosen to win? Well, I'm supposed to say yes and, uh, you know. <laughs> we thought it was a pretty good book, did you? Yeah, yeah, and pull my acceptance speech that I wrote four weeks ago out of my top pocket. <laughs> I think it was... Um, Surprise! Well, pleased to win, but I realised that the book had tapped into a cultural moment when I started to get requests to speak about it all of the time mm. before the awards were announced. And what I noticed was that um, I'd been writing about this stuff in my blog and then the book company, a good book company, asked me to write about this because they were saying it was tapping into the cultural moment and it was something mm. people wanted to hear. How do we get here that Christianity moved from being seen as wrong to being seen as bad and as a pastor of a church i'm concerned as to how my people are feeling as they go monday to friday to work or uni or whatever the school where they're having to engage with a world that feels hostile towards christianity now and views them with suspicion because they're christian or views them as you know slightly uh, on the wrong side of history so that's why i thought it was a cultural moment and then uh, to win it was great but i just enjoyed the process of so many people engaging with it so, so, Steve, you say that your book has struck a chord. Are you surprised by how popular it's become? Not really, because I think I had had lots of conversations with people about the material in it in the years leading up to it. Yeah. Now, in your book, Steve, are you trying to return to the age of Christendom where, you know, the church was seen as the good guys? No, 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 I'm not trying to do that. I think the church uh, operates uh, strongly and well when it operates as a creative community on the margins of the mainstream culture. Um, and the Christendom uh, option sort of looks like a, it's a sugar rush, uh, I think. You get a bit of a hit from, oh, if we could just have the reins of power again. But we didn't, uh, I don't think we operate well like that. Uh, I think Christian uh, frameworks are great in a culture, but uh, society of Christendom, it had its problems as well. And I think often that people think if there was the good old days, well, they weren't that good for lots of different reasons. And there's no returning to that. So I don't think we can try that. And we wouldn't try to enforce people to believe something that they or to practice something they didn't believe on the surface, I think. So there's a sense of authenticity there, I suppose, that you're after. I'm scary about that word because everyone wants to be authentic <laughs> and therein lies the problem. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations on the award. Um, and the theme of your book relates to today's big question, which is, is Christianity bad news? 
Now, and to kick off bigger questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions just to get us thinking. Now, today we're talking with Steve McAlpine about Christianity being bad news and the bad guys in our culture. So, Steve, I thought you I'd ask you in our smaller questions today about bad guys in movies. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Now, there's just one question, and it's multiple choice. Now, Steve, in 2003, the AFI, the American Film Institute, created a list of the worst villains in the history of movies. So who was number one? Who was the worst bad guy? And remember, this list was compiled in 2003. Was it A, Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs? Was it B, Darth Vader from Star Wars? Was it C, the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz? Or was it D, the Hunter from Bambi? So which of those was the worst bad guy in movie history? I'm going to say Darth Vader. Well, you're close. He was number three, actually. But the worst one was, it was actually number A, Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs was rated the worst villain. The Wicked Witch of the West, number four, and the Hunter in Bambi was actually number 20. Steve, these are the greatest bad guys of movies. But now in our modern Australian secular culture, is it too much to say that Christians are seen as the bad guys of our culture? Uh, it's in one sense, I wrote it as the book to, uh, as a conceit in a sense to highlight something that Christians aren't the worst. And if the average person in the street doesn't think that Christians are bad and perhaps they think big C Christianity is, but the average Christian, they know they kind of like, but culturally in the, in the, the space, the noisy space of social media, media, uh, opinion making, uh, academic world, Christianity is seen as uh, a problem to the progress narrative that our culture is creating, and every, and we've kind of been drawn into the public square and given a beating and a flogging in the public uh, square for how we may have behaved or perceptions about what we're like, and also perceptions about how we're getting in the way of uh, a good future. I think that that would be the key issue. So, how does Christianity get in the way of a good future or this progressive narrative? Well, to be honest, I think it's because we have a different gospel, a different good news. Uh, mm-hmm. If it boils down to it, this the way that the culture is currently seeing where your source of your true identity is, it's in expressive individualism. It's in a very extreme form of individualism in which you determine who you are and an extreme form of that is through your sexual identity. So identity issues are key here. Uh, who mm. you are sexually, who your gender is, those are things for you to decide. And you are to find who you truly are by looking within yourself and determining what your identity is and self-expression and self-fulfillment. Whereas Christianity says, actually, and this is, you know, imagine putting this on a billboard uh, to advertise Christianity. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. It's a different gospel. So we're saying, uh, Christianity is saying that the future, which is good and true and right, looks like this. And it's got Jesus as king and it's got uh, self-denial now and glory later and the culture saying that doesn't work and who you are and who you want to be is actually the way forward is the future and a lot yeah. of that is wrapped up in what I call the sexular age. Right. But isn't there a point though that uh, you, you go onto an online uh, comments page and it's often it's common that Christianity is regarded as discriminatory, full of bigotry and hate and the things that Christians believe are horrible it sounds like bad news, doesn't it? Oh, of course it, it sounds like bad news. Uh, but then again, many things are just uh, pastiches painted over the top of uh, 
what is actually true. So the, the key issues are around sexuality. At the current moment, we're looking at what does it mean for the religious discrimination bill to go through? Uh, and the narrative is uh, trans children can be kicked out of schools. And mm -hmm. A, that's not true because Christian schools don't expel trans kids, but Christian schools want to say, we want to be free to say, here's our vision of what human flourishing looks like. We're happy to have other people involved, but we're not going to promote and celebrate what we don't think is a vision of human flourishing. And I think that's the key issue, that uh, Christianity is seen as bigoted because it's not aligning with the uh, cultural zeitgeist, especially in sexuality. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise to the wider culture. Uh, and it also should be something Christians just stand a little bit firm on because some of the ideas that have been promulgated today came around in the last 10 minutes. I'd want to extrapolate 20 to 30 years to see where are those things leading in our culture where that deep expressive individualism is at its centre. I don't think that leads as well as, as it does. And the flip side is the bad news stories of how the culture is doing those things are being suppressed. You go to any clinical psychology uh, practice and it's full of people who are uh, the wreckage, I suppose, of the cultural revolution, to be honest. But so isn't there a point, though, that, as you mentioned before, but haven't Christians done bad things in the past? Yep. So aren't we have. kind of rectifying that now in our culture? Yeah, they have. Um, they've done some bad things. Uh, and I think uh, John Dixon has a good book about bullies and saints, which deal with some of the things that Christians have done wrong and many of the things that Christians have done right. But someone like Douglas Murray, who's not a Christian, uh, says that the whole basis and understanding of forgiveness in our culture is based on Christianity. And when you take that away, all you have is a, a bottomless pit of uh, eternally shaming people and never helping forgiveness, demanding demanding change but refusing forgiveness. Now, if you don't think that's what Twitter and social media and the idea of cancel culture is about, then you don't understand where we're headed. So he sees Christian's framework of forgiveness as the safety net for our culture. And I would contend that many of the givens that our society thinks, of course, human rights, of course, this, of course, we are all equal as humans. Those things aren't universal. They came through Christianity. And the bedrock of our Western framework is built on a Christian understanding of what it means to be human. Now, people reject those things, but they default to them without thinking where they came from. And those things will eventually run out if we move to a post-Christian framework. Yeah. So what do you think then is driving the post-Christian framework, so to speak? You talked about progress, but aren't things like, you know, equality and, and fairness and so on, aren't they kind of worthy aspirations? Yeah, I do. I, I think they're worthy aspirations. But what I do also think that Christianity got well was to hold the tension between people's conscience and what they can believe and how they can behave. And uh, different. I guess it's difference that I'm looking at, that... Uh, Christianity has been exceptionally good at allowing people to live with deep differences, especially over the last couple of hundred years. Now you go, well, you had inquisitions and things like that, and there's a whole sort of uh, pop culture understanding of those that isn't particularly uh, the, the real issues behind it, the real history of these things. But by and large, Christianity has birthed places to live that are much easier to live in if you hold to different opinions than lots of other worldviews have. and. I don't think people take that seriously enough because I think the future is going to be how can we live with our deep differences? And that's where the struggle is going to be. Uh, can we live with our deep differences? Can our governments allow other 
positions and what I call alternate ethical communities that hold a different frameworks of belief, can they let them flourish and coexist in a culture that is secular? Now, many years ago, American atheist activist Madeleine Murray O'Hare once claimed religion has caused more misery to all of mankind in every stage of human history than any other single idea. So what do you make of that comment or claim? Because that, that's sort of reflective of what many people in our culture today would probably think. Uh, yeah, um, there's no hyperbole in there, of course. Uh, <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> I could say without any sense, you know, 100% uh, certainty that, well, you know, th- that's it. I'd like to know where she's coming from, uh, the Irish uh, comment or the comment from Ireland where the US tourist is saying, how do I get to Limerick? And he asks someone and he said, well, I wouldn't start from here. Um, <laughs> where she's starting from and what's her basis for saying that? Uh, religion has done amazing things for cultures as well. And there's the other thing. Show me a culture that doesn't have it. The Secularism in the hard way it's being so an atheist perspective of the world where there is no transcendence in the world is relatively new relatively focused in white western countries among a certain part of that country it's not as if it has been universalized enough to even tell whether it could uh, match religion for all that misery to every person in human history Mm. it's a statement made by a person from a position of um universal insight that they won't afford anyone else mm. and i think that's 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 a big a big but problem. aren't we creating that here now in modern australia are we are we creating that uh, a post-christian framework yeah that's a full of flourishing and fairness and equality for all how's that working out for you i mean that's the thing isn't it it's like we have we're not, our people aren't in australia we have a anxiety and worry and depression tsunami and it's not, it cannot be because we don't have enough white goods, holidays, or air conditioning. It has to be because we've, we lack meaning and purpose in what life is about. We have all this life, longer than we've ever lived life, yet people are anxious and worried. And part of the reason has to do with the foundations of what life is about and meaning. Now, you can try to create meaning, and I think that's part of what the the, the very term trans is to transcend something. Everyone's got a salvation story that if I could get this right, I could truly be who I want to be. And I think the gospel of Jesus is crucial to understanding identity and also gives you an identity mark that actually satisfies and fulfills in a way that the others don't. Hmm. And I think you can't make a five-year claim about that. You can make a 50-year claim about that. Hmm. Well, you've just mentioned now that the, there's the Christian message offers good news. Uh, and today's big question is, is Christianity bad news? But the Bible claims that the message about Jesus is good news. Indeed, the Gospel of Mark, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have, starts in Mark 1.1 with the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So, Steve, it claims that this book brings good news, but this would be disputed by many in our modern culture. So what is it about Jesus then that brings good news? Well, the only way you can decide what the good news is is if you know what the bad news is, <laughs> I think. So Jesus comes announcing good news. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news of the gospel. He puts the word repent in there for a reason because the bad news is, according to what Jesus is saying, there's a time coming when God is going to call the 
uh, creation and humans to account for the way they've lived apart from him. And the good news is there's an amnesty and God will bring people back to himself and will accept and love human beings and has done so in Jesus uh, and Jesus' death and resurrection. But the good news starts now that life in Jesus is good news now because it enables us as created in the image of God to live with the grain, to live according to the way God intended and good things happen in our lives when those, and I don't mean you know, magically, I'm saying living with the grain is a wise way to live in our culture, how we do life, uh, loving and serving one another, forgiving, just having that way of living that Jesus called us to. It's not always easy, but it does have a palpable good way of living look to it. But it also that the message of the Bible is that God's anger towards sin will one day be visited on the creation. And the good news of Jesus is there's an amnesty period. God is saying, I give you an amnesty to sort this out before that day. So it's a complex thing and it's a tip of an iceberg, that statement, which unpacks a lot of other stuff. Mm. So you mentioned before that forgiveness, because forgiveness is is kind of at the heart of the Christian message or what Jesus comes, but you say there's not a forgiveness narrative so much in our culture. Mm-hmm. How is that good news? Well, uh, interesting that it. Uh, I spoke to someone a few years ago who was doing some work at uh, schools through um, an agency that works, a Christian agency that works in schools, and she wanted me to help her put some video packages together and some ideas for some scripts. And I said, what are the three main questions that students want to know in schools? And she said, meaning and purpose, could have picked that one. Uh, Identity, definitely could have picked that one. And forgiveness. They were afraid that if they fell through the cracks with their friends or they got cancelled, even in a small way, by a group of people because they got something wrong, there was no way back. And the very idea of repent and believe the good news is that there's a way back, a forgiveness way back. And we live in a shame culture that can find out what you said 10 years ago on Twitter and shred you for it, and you can say sorry as much as you want, and you can say I've learned my lesson, I've wised up, and there's no way back. There's no forgiveness. Mm. And that is a scary future. So why then does this message clash so strongly with our culture? Because it does call us to give up ourselves for the sake of a future that is different. Like Jesus did say, Jesus is very transactional. He doesn't say, be stoic and deny yourself. He said, deny yourself joyously because you will reap a fulfillment reward beyond what you could imagine. And you can't maintain the fulfillment here. A, you won't live forever, but most likely for most people, the majority and bulk of their fulfilling life will end before they die. Mm. That's our biggest fear, to end up for 10 years lonely, neglected in an aged care facility falling apart after all the things that we enjoy have been sucked away from us bit by bit and we end up in a small room by ourselves. That That's the, I mean, yay. You know, it's like that's a hard reality, but it is the reality. And mm. Christianity faces that reality and says, but there's something more. Well, because that's what Jesus says himself. He says in Matthew 16, 24, he says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That raises a bit of a, a tension, though, doesn't it, with our culture? Because our culture is actually trying to have self-fulfillment and self-expression, as you've mentioned before. So isn't there a tension raised here? Oh, 100% there's a tension. Um, 
But we live that tension all the time. If anyone mm. wants to run a sub three hour marathon, they must deny themselves, get up every day at five o'clock and do their training and do 100 kilometers a week for 15 to 18 weeks. And then we, we do it all the time with everything. Deny yourself uh, sleeping in, watching Netflix, uh, going out to the movies every weekend with your friends and your ATAR exam results at the end of the year will be good. <laughs> but do all those things and you'll get what you deserve by the end of it. <laughs> so it's mm. not like we don't believe that. But what we've done, we've made the self-expression narrative such a deep gospel issue that this is your source of freedom and liberty that we can't see how a self-denial uh, package could do that. Mm. Well, because Jesus does go on in verse 25, he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So is there a paradox here that you lose your own life means saving it? Yeah, Jesus was great with paradoxes like that. And But he doesn't just say lose your life. He says lose it for my sake. There's something about Jesus that is life-giving. And I would say, as I've gotten older, I'm 55 this year, it's as I've seen my Christian friends who long-term live Christian lives and Christian community and share life together and help each other and forgive each other, something looks palpably different about the way they live their lives that other people looking on go, that's not so, it's repellently attractive, I call it, repellently <laughs> attractive. I don't want their Christianity, but gee, that looks okay. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that, have you, where the, the Christian message is repellently attractive? Yes, I have, I think. Um, I've, I've got friends and I've spoken to people who, who have said, look, I don't know about the Christian uh, message. Uh, I find it hard to stomach it, but it feels like your community is a safe community to belong to. And I think that's true. I, a, a friend of mine who's Irish, ex-Roman Catholic, and there's no one as ex-Christian as an Irish, ex-Roman Catholic, and she mentioned that to me, and I thought that was an interesting comment. Um but it's the day-to-day -day stuff. It's the little stuff. And it's the serving other people. It's uh, the little uh, trickle-down effect of being godly and loving people because you, Jesus loves you and you love him uh, that changes things. Once again, I said it before, it's people go, oh, that Christianity, you know, big C Christianity they don't like. But the little C Christians they know, they go, they're pretty good. <laughs> and that, that's the issue. So is that how you've seen the good news expressed for you? 100%. I've got non-Christian friends who look on and go, oh, I wish I had community like that. That's amazing. And I tell them it's not easy because we have to forgive each other and bear with one another's burdens. But if you did that, if you fell out with someone in a run club, and I, you know, I'm in a few run clubs, if you fell out with someone and there's no forgiveness, you're done. And in church you can be done as well, but, that, but not because of the gospel. But despite the gospel, the gospel would say, uh, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. You must forgive. And so when you have a must forgive culture, it disciplines you and trains you towards what I think is a good long term option in life. Hmm. So do you think non-believers would be surprised at Jesus or would still be disappointed? It'd still be bad news when they discovered him. I think he's uh, an enigma to many uh, unbelievers. And if you can package him in such a way that he reflects your values more than his, I think people can cope with him. But as you read the Gospels, and perhaps Greg Sheridan's book uh, called Christians uh, deals with that by reading the Gospels, the Jesus that you experience as you read the Gospels has to shock you. There'll always be something in your life that the Jesus 
in the Gospels confronts. And that's whether you're a conservative who is buttoned down and uh, is sort of living in the, the suburban life or whether you're someone who's the bohemian in the city doing your own thing. There's always somewhere in there that Jesus actually is confronting to. And I think that's what you want because that would show that he's not made in your own image. Mm. So what would it take for someone to believe that Jesus is good news if they currently think that he's bad news? Like a couple of things. They would have to see the poverty of their own um, sort of uh, uh, self-fulfillment story. That in one sense, the the thing that uh, most pushes people to Jesus is the existential issue. Uh, All my plans of working out my life aren't working out. And even if they do, I'm going to die at some stage anyway. So there's a meaning. Jesus answers a big meaning question. That's the point. Uh, What is life about and who is life for and where is it directed? And if you just come to Jesus because he can tidy you up around the edges, then I don't think you'll be that impressed with him. And you can always find something else to tidy you up around the edges like Pilates or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So why then is Jesus' good news so misunderstood? Because Jesus himself said that unless God illuminates us to this, we won't understand it. So there is something paradoxical about it in that sense. Because it chips at who we are, and the the Christian message is very strongly that although we are made in the image of God with great value, dignity, and worth, even though that's so true of us, we have decided to go our own way and not God's way. So when Jesus comes with God's way again, there are myriad um, creative ways to view that as bad. So your book is aimed at Christians, Steve. If you had any non-believers read the book, what have they thought? Yeah, uh, one came around the other day, a friend of mine, he's a secular Muslim, so very westernised. He was polite. (laughs) Um, But I have another um, running friend who's who's not a Christian either, and he really enjoyed it because in some senses, some of the things I'm saying about where the cultural framework is headed, they recognise without necessarily seeing Jesus as the response to that. They're saying, yes, there is something wrong with a culture that, um, in which who our deep ide- deepest identity is is tied to our sexuality and the fact that there's nothing stable to build our lives mm. on outside of ourselves. So they see that as a problem. Whether or not they see Jesus as the solution, uh, that's up to them at that point, I think. So, Steve, is Christianity bad news? Uh, Christianity is great bad news. It's bad news for the things in my life that need to change and it's good news for the hope that we have in Jesus that begins now and into the future of a deep relationship with the God who loves us so much that he would send Jesus to die for us, who was the ultimate bad guy on the cross but showed through his resurrection that he is actually that guy, God's good guy. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, is Christianity bad news? From Mark 1.1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Many thanks to our guest today, Steve McAlpine. Thank you.